So here's what I know about Father's Day is that Father's Day for many people can mean many different things. If I were to be honest, that I would be willing to bet that there is a mixed bag of people here when it comes to emotions about Father's Day. We've got people on both sides of the equation when it comes to dads, right? There are some of, of you that experience great things with dad, and, and then there's those of you that today is a tough day. Maybe it's because dad left or maybe your husband's no longer there and you're having to deal with that and having to deal with kids and maybe you're a teenager and, and, and dad's not really there. He's not really in the picture and, and, and you're having to deal with those things. Listen, I know that there is that tension in the room today. But what I want to talk to you about today transcends just being a dad. But because we need, we need dads to be chasers after God, I want to focus on dads today, but this applies to everybody in this room this morning. So I encourage you to take notes and to write down some thoughts. And, and, and you may not be a dad in the room. Maybe you've come in today with some baggage and some stories. Right, wrong, indifferent, good, bad, the ugly. Let's set all that down. And invite Jesus for the next moment to speak to us with what matters most. Can we do that this morning? So the other day I came across this scripture in Ephesians 3. And it says, So I saw that there is nothing better for men, that they should be happy in their work. For that is what we are here for. The scripture goes further, and we'll talk about it here in a moment. But, but how many of you are unhappy in your work? Anybody? Right? It, it translates to many areas in your life. Has anybody here ever been unhappy with their work? If you've ever been unhappy with your work, you know that it translates to every area of your life. If, if you're unhappy with your work, you know what you're going to be unhappy with? With your spouse. You're going to be unhappy with your parents. You're going to be unhappy with your kids. You're going to be happy, unhappy with everything. Why? Because it permeates into every bit of who you are. Listen, there is nothing better than to be happier in what you're doing. Right? Does anybody just love their job? Right? Hopefully you do. Why? Because when you love your job, it translates everywhere else. Have you ever noticed that if you have a rough day at, at work, sometimes you come home and have a rough day at home? Anybody ever notice that? Or maybe if you have a great day at work and you come home and you have a great day at home. Why? Because everything touches everything. To be happy in their work, does that mean that they should be happy when they're digging trenches or, or flipping burgers or teaching school? Is that what we're talking about today? When, when Solomon wrote this, what does he mean that a man should be happy in his work? So I'll pose a question. What is, grant, what is man's greatest work? How many of you have been working the same job as when you first started working? Anybody? One, maybe two people, right? How about maybe you've had five jobs, right? Several. How many of you would say you probably have like ten jobs, right? Like there's a lot of them in there. And I'm not doing what my first job was. Anybody remember their first job? Man, I remember my first job and it was, it was 
pitching bales of hay onto a trailer in the middle of the summer. And you know what? We got paid the big bucks. You want to know how much we got paid? Ten cents a bale. Man, that's awesome, right? No, it was awful money, right? I, I remember back then, especially, minimum wage was $4. Right, I know there's some of you in this room, you probably remember when minimum wage was like two chickens or, or they gave you like a couple of eggs for your work. Um, maybe they traded you tomatoes. Um, but, but I had to throw bales of hay onto a trailer in the middle of July. And if you know anything about the middle of July in Texas, it is hot. And you know what? I was great that first 15, 20 minutes, right? Man, just chunking them up there. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But you know, after about 15 minutes, and I was in pretty good shape back then. After about 15 minutes, man, I was tired. I wasn't just tired, I was tarred. Anybody here ever been tarred? Like that goes beyond tired. You can't even say all the syllables. You just go tarred, right? You come home and all you want to do, like you don't even have, you don't even want to kick off your shoes because it would take way too much effort and you just flop down and hope somebody brings you a sweet tea, right? You know that kind of tarred that I'm talking about? And, and man, can I tell you, I thought I was rolling in the big bucks because I'd come home from a day and I'd have like 10, $15 and I'd be like, yeah, look at this like waving at my brother's face like it was something special. He's like, what are you going to do? Go buy us lunch? Really? I'll punch you in the throat. But what is a man's greatest work? Can I tell you, it ain't got nothing to do with, with chucking hay bales on a trailer. By the way, I've heard that they pay like 25 cents or 50 cents a bale now. Man, can I just tell you, there's nothing about that that sounds fun. Even for 50 cents a bell, there's no way. But what is a man's greatest work? I want to offer you guys a few things today. First thing is a, a man's greatest work is to be a faithful Christ follower. Listen, it's the best thing that you can do. We want to be hearers and doers of the Word, right? Right? We want to be hearers and doers. You ever known somebody that heard God's Word all the time but didn't actually do? Was that the kind of person you wanted to be? No, that kind of person frustrated you. Because you're like, you hear God's Word, but yet you still continue to do this. No, we want to be both hearers and doers of the Word. Another work that He is calling us to be is a loving husband. God is calling us to be a loving husband if you're married. Now, let's be honest. Men, we tend to say things like, well, my wife knows that I love her. I told her so on our wedding day. That's the way a lot of men think. And, and can I just tell you, it's so far beyond that. Matter of fact, let me tell you what the Bible says. It says husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. Whoa. Right? Now, when you think about how Christ loved the church, He stood up and He was beaten for the church. He was torn apart for the church. He, he loved the church so much. And what we're looking for in a faithful Christ follower and a loving husband is to have the kind of love that is willing to stand up when everyone else is sitting down. Listen, to think of what a man is, I, I hear explosions, right? I think of car chases. Can I tell you, there's nothing more I'd rather than to have Chuck Norris here in service with you. I wish I could do my best roundhouse kick in the matter of Jean-Claude Van Damme. But I can't. But I can tell you that the greatest man who ever lived 
and still lives today is Jesus. And it's His love, His surrender, and His humility that made Him a great man. You see, those characteristics don't get a lot of airtime, do they? When we turn on the TV, we see the bumbling idiot for a dad. Right? That's not the kind of men that I want my young boys to grow up to be. You see, characteristics like love, surrender, and humility don't get a ton of airtime on the TV. You want to know why? Because they don't make good selling points. Hey, are there any single guys in the room? Any single guys? Right? There's a few of you. Any single guys that are hoping one day to be married? Can I tell you, it's not about the gun show. Like, you're working out, you're like, oh, look at me, I'm so buff. Mm, kiss my biceps. And you're like, look at me. But can I tell you, finding the wife ain't about that. Listen, can I tell you, your pickup line doesn't, it doesn't need to be something like this. Hey, did you call a plumber? Why? Because these pipes are about to bust. Listen, that's not going to work. You're not going to impress her. She probably is going to look at you, roll her eyes, and walk away. We've got to find some men that love through service. Listen, that love through humility. That love through really showing the world Jesus in our actions. Your track record's a little shady. You know what, as a pastor, mine is too. Listen, I haven't loved my wife as Christ loved the church. Sometimes I haven't been near as consistent or perfect in that area that I'd like to be. But luckily, God gives me grace to move beyond those moments where I haven't hit the mark. Where I haven't hit the bullseye on it. So maybe you're here and you've been missing the mark. As we surrender to God, He helps us to make that aim back on the bullseye. So men, let's start hitting the mark. Today is a day that's about dads. And we're going to have fun. And this afternoon, we're going to spend time with our families and, and with our spouses. And then maybe later tonight when the kids go to bed, you know, some stuff that we really like. But, you know, it's not about that. It's about learning to love the way that Christ loved the church. Listen, a man's greatest work is to be, number one, a faithful Christ follower, a loving husband. And thirdly, a dad that succeeds. Listen, I want you to be a dad that succeeds. You can cross it out and you can read it a mom that succeeds or a teenager that succeeds. Listen, is it all about success? I don't know, but I, I can tell you it's not all about failure. Listen, in fact, one of the greatest fears that men have is failing at stuff. And truthfully, it's why we wear so many masks so many times because when we feel like we're failing, we want to cover it up so that nobody sees it. We want to just dive into something that we know, that we understand, that we can excel at. So we inundate ourselves with sports memorabilia, or we inundate ourselves with work, or we inundate ourselves in areas that we know because we feel that those are areas that we're good in. We become unsure of ourselves, and we get uncomfortable. But today I want to shift your perspective on what real success is by giving you a quote today. And I came across this a, a few weeks ago. It says this, our greatest fear should not be failing. Our greatest fear should not be failing. Men, women, but especially dads, your greatest fear should not be failing as a husband, failing as a dad, failing as a man. Here is what your greatest fear should be. 
your fear should be succeeding in stuff that doesn't matter. It's like being successful in stuff that at the end of the day doesn't really matter at all. So we should be a dad that succeeds at what matters most. The first one, what matters most? The right presence. Why? Because so many times we think of this, don't we? My dad is a great man of God that loves me a ton. But can I tell you one thing he is not good at is giving gifts. Matter of fact, sometimes his presents stink. I remember growing up, and, and for Christmas every year, my dad never knew what to get anyone. It, it, it was my mom that went shopping and got all the gifts. My dad would go to the clothing store if he was shopping for my mom and say things like, No, that's probably not going to fit her. She's definitely bigger than you are. Or, No, she's probably a little bit smaller than you. So, not what you've got on, but something else. That's awful, isn't it? My dad was probably that guy that would have bought my mom a vacuum for their anniversary, right? Or, or pots and pans for her birthday. And you know what? Truthfully, I believe that it kind of wore off on me a little bit um, because I'm really not that good at giving gifts. Matter of fact, one year, I got Tina a brand new washer and dryer for our anniversary. It's a dumb gift, right? It was practical, but that didn't exactly scream, I love you, honey, and I love you so much, I want to give you a new washer and dryer so you can keep our clothes clean. Dumb gift. One time, my dad got me a backpack. It looked just like this. It was hideous. I was a senior in high school. And I'm like, Dad, do you want me to get beat up at school? Like, is this the gift that's, hey, beat up my son at school day? Because if I wear this to school, this is what I'm going to wear. Do you really expect me to wear this to my senior year? And you know what he said? He said, well, the kids at the store told you that you would like it. I'm like, Dad, they were lying to you. They just wanted to sell a backpack. All right, so look, I completely made that up. My dad didn't give me that hideous backpack, but it makes for a good story, doesn't it? But how many of you dads want to give great gifts to your kids and your spouse, but you don't even know what to get them? Man, my kids are awesome. My wife is incredible. And sometimes I just don't know what to give her. I don't know what to give them. Let me tell you, you're off the hook. I'm going to shatter your world here. Nobody cares about the presence that you give them. You want to know why? Because the right presence is the right presence. It's not those kind of presence. It's that kind of presence. To be there. To be present with your family. Listen, maybe you, 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 you've gone off center and, and, and you think about... You think that it's about the paycheck or the house or the cars or the gifts or, or the toys. Listen, you think that those things are going to do it. They're not. Listen, in the end, that stuff is just going to burn up. It's not going to matter at all. I've never been to a funeral where the people talked about the presence that that family member gave. It's been about their presence with a C-E. And good or bad, that's what matters the most. Anybody have teenagers? or soon-to-be teenagers, listen, they tell you they want the brand-new iPhone, and they do. They tell you they want a brand-new vehicle, and they do. 
But can I tell you, if you think that buying them stuff is a substitute for you being present, you're sadly mistaken. I'm not saying don't bless your kids and give them presents. If you're hearing me say that, then you're not hearing the right thing. But what I am telling you is that your presence means more to them. And listen, as snotty-nosed brat teenagers, they sometimes are like, Dad, go away. I don't want to spend time with you. God, Dad, you're embarrassing me. Hey, just drop me off around the corner so nobody sees you dropping me off in that minivan. But you know, when I look back, the thing that I valued the most was the time spent with my dad. See, I was involved in sports growing up, and my dad was able to make most of my games, not all of them. When he was there, sometimes he'd tell me the right way to do things, or, or he'd yell and scream at me and say, that's not how you do it. Choke up the bat. Throw harder. Hit him harder. Shoot the ball on the goal, as if I didn't know that. You see, he wasn't there to tell me to do the right thing, although he did. You see, I find myself telling yelling at my six and my four-year-old where to stand in the batter's box how to swing get that elbow up make a good throw jonathan pay attention josiah run here's the truth is it doesn't matter if he stands in the front of the batter's box or the back of the batter's box It doesn't matter whether he gets on base every time that he goes up to bat or he strikes out every time. Do you want to know what they're looking for? Josiah and Jonathan are looking to see if mom and dad are watching. You see, we want what's best for our kids, but at what expense? Jonathan does it almost every at bat as he's sitting there getting ready to swing. You know what's the first thing he does? Looks back to make sure that daddy's watching. And then when he scores, by the way, Jonathan cracks him up when he's playing baseball because when he runs around the bases, he'll try and high-five everybody on the path to the base. And you know, there's something in me that's like, dude, stop, just run! Because I want him to win. But at what expense? Listen, my dad is a great man, but I remember how harsh my dad was when it came to sports. And can I tell you, he didn't mean it that way, but that's how it come across. And can I tell you, I almost quit sports altogether because of the pressures that my dad put on me. And can I tell you, I don't want to put those things on my boys. Does it mean that I don't want them to excel? No, we should expect our kids to excel. But sometimes in life, our kids aren't going to be the best. And our kids still need to know that even if they're not the best, we still love them and we have their back. You want to know why? Because your sons and your daughters are looking at you for approval. You see, my parents would come to the games and the crowds would be full, but there was one voice I wanted to hear. It was just hearing my dad's voice over everybody else going, Great job, son! That was the voice I wanted to hear. I was playing for an audience of one. It was just my family, and in particular, my dad. Listen, moms, dads, teenagers, can I tell you that you're playing for an audience of one? Your heavenly Father is looking at you, and He's not mad at you. He doesn't have His arms crossed trying to tell you to get into the proverbial batter's box. He wants you to know that He loves you, that that He wants to guide you, that He wants to give you hope and a future. You've got to lean into God and allow Him to do it. You see, God gave us the greatest present in Jesus, but He also gave us His presence. Dads, moms, teenagers, let's be present with our families. Present moment is the greatest gift that we've got from God. But if we're not present, we will miss it. Let me say that again. 
The present moment is the greatest gift we have from God, but if we're not present, we're going to miss it. So how do we show God's presence in our relationships? It's real simple, by being there. It's making that phone call. So many families get twisted and turned sideways over issues that don't matter. And before you know it, now it's been three Christmases or six Christmases or or ten birthdays and you haven't talked to them. Why? Because your feelings were hurt over something that doesn't even matter. So what do we have to do? We have to choose to be present. We have to choose to pick up the phone call and say, I love you. I also know that we've got to have the right perspective. Right? So what matters most? We've got the right presence. But then we've got to have the right perspective. We have to focus on the right things. Anybody here ever not been focused on the right things? There's a dad that's more worried about capturing the moment and capturing everything on video. And notice where the bag is. On top of the kid. That's such a dad move, isn't it? But you see, I believe that so many times we get so lost in what's going on that our, that our perspective shifts and we become like this dad. We're more worried about taking pictures and getting things on video so we can put it on Facebook so that we can get our worth because lots of people will like it or love it or laugh or, or be angry or be sad or whatever it is, those dumb emoticons that you can put on there. Why? Because we care more about what people think than we care about being present in the moment. Listen, can I just be honest with you? Don't nobody care what you're eating for dinner. Quit putting it on Instagram. Ooh, look, I'm having lasagna with three breadsticks and and tiramisu. Awesome. You know what? I'm having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Shut up. Nobody wants to see that. Especially if I'm having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Listen, we got to learn to shift the perspective and focus on the things that really matter. Listen, my dad was not perfect. But one of the things we did is we liked to take trips as a kid. Anybody's families like to take trips? My brother and I would often joke that if we could make it out of our town without my dad cussing, it was going to be a good trip. It seldom happened. He was successful sometimes. You see, I believe that sometimes he thought that everybody was out there driving bad and driving slow and not using blinkers or leaving blinkers on too long just to make his trip worse. Everybody on the roadway was out to get him. Is that anybody in here? Don't raise hands. I'm not even going to look. Then, even better, when we were driving down the road, he was notorious for yelling things like, if y'all don't stop, I'm going to pull this van over and give everybody a spanking. The last road trip we took with our family, I was 16, my brother was 13. My dad still yelled that, and we were both going, yeah, try it, old man. Right, And and then if that didn't work, you know what he'd yell next? Hey, if you guys don't stop, I'm going to pull this van around and we're going to go back home. We're like, yay! (laughs) But you see, most of the time, though, my dad is great about keeping the right perspective in all other areas other than driving. You see, something happened when we were teenagers. There was a shift that took place in his perspective, and he began to focus on the things that really mattered. You see, God called me into ministry after my sophomore year of high school, and it was a call that he didn't necessarily understand. He didn't understand why I would give up sports, why I would give up whatever it was that I wanted to do before that to go into ministry. You see, my dad taught and still teaches occupational safety and health at a college in Corpus Christi. And this was when I realized that a shift had been made with my dad. We were looking, I'd already been accepted into several schools, 
turned down scholarships to go play football. And we were looking at scholarships, and my dad, half-jokingly, half-serious, he made the comment that I should apply for one of the safety scholarships. Dad, I'm going to be a pastor. What do you mean I should apply for a safety scholarship, right? Anybody else here going, wait, what's the connection, right? And I'll never forget what my dad said. My dad said, well, Jason, the way I figure is you're doing God's work now. And and your job now is to save people from hell. For the first time in three years, my dad now understood my calling. There was a perspective shift that had taken place. See, the truth is, I believe that we've got to get the right perspective on life. James 4 says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while. But Scripture says that life is a mist, right? It's here today and gone tomorrow. Some of you teenagers feel like you've got your entire life ahead of you. Some of you, maybe you're wrestling with whether or not you're going to follow God for the rest of your life, and you're going, it's okay, I've got time later when I become an adult to make a decision for Christ. But can I tell you, Scripture says that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. About Two or three years ago, I guess it's now been four years ago, my cousin, who was just two years older than me, was killed in a, in a motorcycle accident. He was young, but we're not guaranteed that. Why? Because life is but a mist. So how long is that? It's like that. It's not very long, is it? Listen, it's a mist, and one minute you're there, and another you're gone. Listen, the Bible says your life is a mist. That, that's it. Look, you can see it, and now you can't. If we're not focused on the right things or the right perspective, before we realize it, it's gone. It may feel like a long time, but it's not. It's just a mist. We're focused on the wrong presence or the wrong perspective. It's gone, and it's done. It's like, where did the time go? Parents, do you ever ask that? Two weeks ago, Mark, the one-year anniversary that, that Tina and I have been pastors here, and we look at it and we go, man, it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Where has the time gone? Now, I know some of you are going, but pastor, you don't understand. I work out and I eat right. I'm going to live longer. Hey, you want to see how long your life is? You ready for it? Okay, wait, I get there. Maybe a little bit more. You got one of those and oh, that. Right? That's not long. Listen, it's why the psalmist tells us to teach us to number our days. God, help us to number our days. And life is short. Don't be trying to spend our time trying to fix the batter stance alone. We've got to have the right perspective. And finally, we've got to have the right pursuit. And we'll chase after the job, chase after the house, the car, the dog, the bonus, the vacation. We're going to chase after our dreams, the schools, the scholarships, the accolades. Parents, we chase after obedience. And our kids, don't we? Behave! Do what I tell you! We're not wanting obedience, we're wanting behavior modification. Instead of the right perspective, which is the development of their character. If you can get your kids to think the right things about God and who He is and to chase after His character, that is what causes the behavior modification. For way too long we've been trying to get our kids to clean their room for the sake of cleaning their room. We really, when we have to go back up from that behavior, we have to back up to what matters and that's the Word of God. 
which is the biblical and moral compass of every decision they need to make in their life. My job is not to create obedient kids. My job is to create incredible decision makers that make the right decisions based on the Word of God that is the moral compass for their life. So listen, it can either be they're going to make their beds when they get up out of bed and they're going to clean their room before I count to three or you know what's going to happen. Or they're going to have hell to pay or I'm helping them to make the right decisions based on the Word of God. Listen, that's got to be our pursuit. I believe that we've got to start that pursuit. Listen, it's not about how we feel at the time. You guys have heard us say before, feelings don't matter. But pastor, I really want my kids to clean their room tell you those things are great to want for your kid we want our kids to know how to clean their room we we want them to be good kids we don't want them to be spoiled brats right because we know that young spoiled brats turn into old jerk people but what would happen instead of looking at behavior modification we looked at character modification and we train up our kids to pursue god with everything they've got i tell you i believe it begins to make a difference in how we parent you see when i was around 10 years old i remember that we came home from a baseball game. And we'd been broken into. The front door was busted. Things were scattered all throughout the house. They stole guns and jewelry and, and all kinds of stuff. They even tried to steal the TV, but, but we had one of those old TVs. It was like 500 pounds. It was in like the wooden case. You know what I'm talking about? And it took like six grown men to move it. And they made it about three foot before they gave up and realized they weren't going to be able to get it down the steps from our, from our modular home. And, and so they left it. And I remember my, my mom was crying and my dad was angry. Because when you've been stolen from, you feel violated. I remember as a young kid taking off and running to my bedroom and going in the closet and finding my brother's and I's baseball gloves and my dad's baseball glove with a ball. And I remember thinking, they didn't take our gloves. Was it because baseball was really that important? No. It wasn't because I was going to become the next Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle. It was none of those things. You want to know why it mattered to me? It wasn't because he was teaching me to throw or how to catch. It was because I was spending time with my dad in the yard. That was it. He was making memories. He didn't realize that's what he was doing, but he was making memories. You see, that's the right pursuit. Listen, our kids are inundated with sports nowadays, aren't they? Man, sometimes it seems like sports runs our schedule. And my kids are only six and four. Some of you that have teenagers are like, oh my gosh. And you love it. But you see, what we're doing is we're choosing to make memories. Listen, if all we're doing is learning how to play shortstop or learning how to play first base, then if all we're doing is learning how to shoot better, then we're pursuing the wrong thing. Listen, we are pursuing opportunities to build memories, opportunities to build character, and opportunities to build relationships. I remember right after 
we brought Josiah home from the hospital. And I remember looking into his precious little eyes and then he puked on me and he wasn't so precious anymore. I'm joking. But it was really gross. And I remember my parents telling me and and Tina's parents telling us, enjoy these days because before you know it, they're going to be gone. And I remember as a young parent, I'm like, are you kidding me? He just pooped on me. I don't want to enjoy that. What do you mean enjoy? He just threw up, projectile vomited all over Tina. She's leaving for church. He ain't slept in 11 months. What do you mean enjoy it? But then just a few weeks ago, we went to Josiah's kindergarten graduation, whatever that is. And he was wearing a cap and gown. Not a full-size one, because that'd be really weird, but it was a miniature version. And I remember thinking in that moment of the day that we brought him home from the hospital and how I could hold him in one arm like a football, and I did. And now I can't hold him like that. And before too long, he's going to get too big and too cool to even want me to hug him. And before I know it, he's going to be graduating from high school. What they really meant when they told us to enjoy it is life's but a mist. Listen, there's going to be a day when Jonathan no longer thinks I'm cool. There's going to be a day when when he doesn't just run up to me and punch me in the arm or in the cheek just because that's his love language. And we're going to send him off to school or the military. And my precious Sophia... cute as can be she will bat them eyes at you and get you to do anything and before I know it she's going to be seven sliding down the slide and and, and some punk first grade boy is going to come over and push her down because that's how first first grade boys say that they like each other and I'm going to want to go kick that kid in the head to protect my daughter and then I realize you can't because you go to jail it's not going to be too long after that when I'm walking her down the aisle to give her to some godly man that that she's been waiting for and he's been waiting for her to, to let them spend the rest of their life together why? it's but a mist listen I understand there's a lot of jadedness in the room Maybe you're a single mom that's having to do everything on your own. Maybe maybe you're a teenager and dad ran out. Or maybe he's there, but he's not really there. Or maybe your dad's a deadbeat. Listen, it exists. Here's what you've got to do. You've got to choose for yourself who you're going to be can't blame it on mom and dad listen I'm 34 years old 
And I can't use the excuse, well, this is what my dad did, so now I'm going to do that. No. If I choose to do that, then that's my choice, not his. You've got to choose. Listen, we're going to set our hopes on God. You want to know why? Because of this scripture. So each generation... So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Each generation has to do this. Listen, young person, you got to put your hope in God. Moms, dads in the room, maybe you haven't done a great job at this. Listen, you want to start anew? Put your hope on God. with this scripture so I saw there is nothing better for men that they should be happy in their work for that is what they are here for but it keeps going and no one can bring them back to in life to enjoy what is in the future so let them enjoy it now. Listen, we've only got one shot at this, and it's a mist. Listen, maybe you feel like you've buckled under the pressure, or maybe you started the wrong pursuit. Listen, today is a great day to move forward and to begin succeeding at what matters most. Why? Right there. Life is short. Bow your heads with me. Listen, the greatest father that exists today is your heavenly father. He gave the greatest gift that anyone could ever give. that was the son Jesus why did he do it so that you and I could have a relationship with him I don't know about you but there's not many people I'd be willing to sacrifice my kids for but yet somehow God in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite love for you and I he gave his son knowing that he would be crucified and killed for us You know what? I want to be a father like God was. I want to be present with my kids. I want to pursue the right things. I want to help develop God's character within my boys and my daughter. And I believe you want the same thing. And maybe you started off and and it hasn't been that and you've been failing. Luckily, you don't have to depend on yourself to succeed at this. Why? Because we can cast our hope anew on God. And He, 
He can help us become better moms, better dads, better people. If we'll allow Him to. Maybe today you've never started the journey with Christ. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. But today, today you want to do that and say, you know what, I want to start. I I want to set my focus on God. I've never done that before, but today I want to make that commitment. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand right where you are. We're not going to embarrass you. Today you'd say, I want, to, I want to make a commitment to God. Maybe today you'd say, God, I want to be a better dad, a better mom, a better person. And I realize that maybe I've been giving the wrong presence or I've had the wrong perspective or maybe I've been pursuing the wrong things. But today I want to make sure that I'm giving the presence that I need, that I've got the right perspective and I'm giving the right pursuits today you'd say that you just need God's help to do it because you've been trying on your own and maybe there's been some success but man there's been some failures too and today you would say that you just need God's help if that's you raise your hand right where you are yeah there's hands everywhere let's pray God, we thank you that we don't have to do it on our own. God, because the truth is many times in our own lives. God, we we try on our own and we mess it up. And, And God, for many of us in this room, God, we have been doing the wrong things when it comes to parenting. Or maybe we've fallen short of what you want. But God, help us to be better. God, help us to focus on the things that matter. Help us to be successful in the things that matter the most. God, so that we can look more like you and when the, when the world looks at us, they can say, I want to be like them because they look like Jesus. God, help us where we fall short to depend on you each and every day. God, we love you. In Jesus' name.